and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm alongside Jesse Bug Humphreys and Becky Taylor-Gill. Guys, you had a jam-packed weekend of footy, both of you. How many games did you do across the weekend? I did two across the weekend, but I did three this week. Wow. Jesse? Same. Yeah. Saturday, Sunday... And then Becky and I did Chelsea Sunderland as well in the week. So wow! But also, you know, I tried on Footballogy to to log my Liverpool London City lioness yesterday, and I couldn't. So my stats will be all off at the end of the year. <laughs> Do they not have it? They didn't have it. No. You can't. You add it. I don't know. I feel like the app is very confusing to me. I'll have a go. Good. Is that is that app w- worth it? I I've never haven't got it, but I've seen some people use it. But. I'm not very organised at keeping it up to date, but it is fun. It's quite good because it lists the games, so you can sort of just every so often go through and be like, tick 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 tick. Or like for me, that's easy because like I just tick through all the Chelsea women's ones. I think it's probably yeah. harder if you're more like ground hopping. Then you probably have to keep track of what you've actually been to. Yeah, I think it's not the best user experience, but there isn't really anything else, and I want to keep track. It's like Goodreads. Goodreads is a bad user experience, but it's the only one you can use. Yeah, they got us. They got us. Uh, and you guys did three cup games then because you had Conti Cup and FA Cup. So it's just nonstop cup action. You guys are officially now just cup people. We don't do anything else. We go to cup games. Up for the cup. Yeah. We should have taken a tinfoil FA Cup <laughs> trophy, Becky. That's what we were missing. Damn it, yeah. Um, I saw a great tweet yesterday about halftime shows obviously with the Super Bowl like imagine Conti Cup halftime show wow who are we getting wow. who are we booking for that well I know who wants to be booked Jess Glynn wants to be booked but we ain't booking her <laughs> <laughs> that girl is looking for work at Meadow Park she, she really like, was please she was lurking I also saw the uh Instagram for the Adobe Women's FA Cup describe her as a huge Arsenal women's fan I thought mm, is that true I, with what evidence guys please show me show me the receipts because I don't I don't <laughs> think that's true Becky who would you pick who's your halftime choice for Conti Cup that's so hard actually I wish I'd prepped. <laughs> Sorry, sprung um, it on you. God, what's a good karaoke song that we do? Sophie Ellis Baxter did- would be fun. Oh yeah. my gosh, that would be so good. The thing is, it's different for the Women's FA Cup and the Conti Cup because the Women's FA Cup, mm. I think we need like someone huge. Kylie Minogue. I think that yeah. would be great. At Wembley. Madonna. Oh, wow. <laughs> Madonna, exactly. Think big, Beyonce. Um, but for the Conti Cup... <laughs> It's a bit different because it just needs to be like ridiculous. Yeah. You almost um, need a one hit wonder type vibe. Yes. <laughs> yes. So true. Gareth Gates, someone like oh, that. Yeah. Like, That's why when Ella Henderson did the FA Cup before she went and did Tory Pride and lost all, all of us our support in women's football. Flo has never forgiven her. I will never forgive her. And that she's works right not so to. well. That works so well because she literally only has one big tune, which is Ghosts. And. I sung it for like three days afterwards because it was so stuck in my head. So you need someone like that who's kind of also maybe not huge, but has one banger that we're all like, remember that song and that girl that did it. So we should pick a Conti Cup anthem, a bit like me and Jesse did for the World Cup. Mm. We need a Conti Cup anthem and then we can like every year update that Conti Cup anthem and campaign for that person to come and do a halftime show. Yeah. Okay, well, um, let's brainstorm it, guys. We'll come back. Think how 
boiled Jesse's noggin would be if they're like if Chelsea were two 0 down in the Conti Cup final and out comes Gareth Gates. <laughs> Why would that like, boil need, my noggin more? I need to see it. I need to see it. <laughs> Why Gareth Gates? Why would that rattle Jesse so much? Because I, I voted for Will Young. <laughs> oh, were you a Will Young? Were you a Will Young person? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I was. Right. That's so we differ, me and you, Jesse. Wow. We know That's how the, the counterpress voting is We're usually on the same page, but that I cannot get on board with that. <laughs> okay, well, should we talk through some FA Cup then? Sure. All right, well, let's get into it after this. So we're going to start with Arsenal losing 1-0 to Manchester City, which was the Blue Ribbon event of the weekend in the FA Cup fifth round matches. It was on the Beeb as well. And we're going to start with City's performance, but obviously the result itself leaves Arsenal in a pretty precarious position in terms of where their season is heading. Because now the Conti Cup is kind of all they have to play for in terms of retaining that, which was the first trophy that Jonas Adeville won and is obviously a trophy we all, we all know and love, but understandably frustrating for Arsenal fans to be in this position because they're pretty much out of it in the WSL, now out of the FA Cup. So it's all in on the Conti Cup for Arsenal. We're going to get more into that a little bit later, but City's performance, I would say the first half of this, especially, Jesse, you were at Meadow Park, right? Yes, I was. The first half was not a classic first half. Would you agree? I kind of enjoyed the first half. I think the bit that was really boring was like minutes 45 to 65. That's mm. where I was really <laughs> yawn. But can I just say, I was sat next to Jilly Flatty. So I got full Jilly comms, which well, was delightful. One, she's really, really good at it. So yeah. I was like just taking notes of what she was saying. Two, just... <laughs> fun obviously as well um yeah I thought the first half was more interesting because I thought City were good until they got sort of into wide areas into attacking positions and then play sort of broke down in the second half it sort of felt like neither team was good for like quite a large portion I think that's where I was getting like a little bit bored um I think it was obviously a tight game I do think City probably on the balance of play deserved to win um I, I thought Arsenal were really quite poor going forward. Um, it didn't really feel like they knew or believed in what they were doing. Obviously, Idaval was playing this um, lesser seen midfield, but I don't think it helped. It didn't really feel like those sort of relationships were there, particularly like I don't really know what Frieda Marnum was doing for, for most of that game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a really big win for City. It's been a while since they've won at Meadow Park. Um, and I think you could tell afterwards like how much it meant to Taylor and the players. Yeah, it, I just felt like across the board, it was a game of few chances and both sides going forward in the final third, I think really struggled. And Manchester City deliberately were a little bit patient in how they tried to play the game. And I think they, it almost felt like because they'd been burnt a lot recently at Meadow Park, especially on the break, it felt like they really wanted to play this in a bit more of a pragmatic way, obviously with it being a knockout game as well. So the pacing of the match just really slowed up at points and maybe that played into Manchester City's hands a little bit. I still I still think we saw that classic over-reliance on Hemp and Kelly and, and what that does to the team overall. Um, 
and then Buddy Shaw has to come off and, and that obviously impacts things. But she had looks like some kind of calf injury. She had tons of ice on it afterwards. But I think then that that changes things. But the big chances came really late when it was that like double save, but I mean like after a bit period of time, not straight double save from Sabina D'Angelo. But that was like the real first chance for me that I actually remember seeing in the match. I think chances were obviously few and far between. And like, also I think that's kind of what you'd expect between two like good teams who are like fighting for something in a knockout match. Um, Bunny coming off was obviously, I think a blow for City, but I did sort of like the moving hemp to play as the nine and Mary Fowler coming on the left wing. Um, I think that suited City, especially as they were trying to see out the game because they had the opportunity to be able to hold the ball up and counter-attack through Fowler and Kelly. Um, Shaw, I think, was a bit of a, almost a doubt as to whether she was going to start the game at all. Taylor said afterwards that she's been ha- she'd had a calf problem for a couple of weeks, um, but like they wanted to see how many minutes she could get. But it'll obviously be interesting to see what that looks like ahead of the Chelsea game on Friday. Uh but yeah, I think for City, they'll have been disappointed. I mean, obviously they won, so it doesn't really matter now. But I think during the game, they'll have been disappointed that when they got into dangerous positions out wide on the left and the right, the crossing wasn't great. The balls into the box weren't great. And that made it easy for Arsenal. And they didn't really punish Arsenal for the positions they'd got into. But then obviously um, in the second half from the set pieces in particular. And the other interesting thing Taylor said was that they'd worked with the Manchester City men set piece analysts um, on set pieces this season. Um, but obviously, yeah, both of Bunny's chances come from a corner and then they score from a free kick. Um, so I think that was interesting to see. Taylor's doing this up and down act now quite a lot where he comes down pitch side, chats there, sees the game for a bit and then will go up into the stands, sit with Sean Gota, chat for a little bit. And um, obviously it's paying off, but they're trying to sort of adapt in games, I think, a lot more where possible. Becky, Kiara Keating, man in the match performance, would we say, with her goalkeeping heroics? Yeah, I've only um, watched the highlights, I will admit, but obviously a lot of those highlights were her pulling off some pretty incredible saves. Um, I don't think that... um, chance at the end is over the line um and I think you know one spill in a game full of like very good saves um is is pretty good <laughs> um and I was surprised obviously I was at the Liverpool game and I wasn't keeping track of what was really going on and I had a text right at the end being like oh my gosh there's drama um and I actually kind of thought that the a uh, conversation around Keating was going to be a negative one when I logged back onto Twitter. But actually, yeah, it seems like she had a really, really good game. And that's really positive for City. Jesse, you had to come crawling back and rest <laughs> your Keating agenda. I've laid it to bed. It's You've over. Laid to bed. Um, yeah, I thought she had an amazing game. And I think I've always sort of been intrigued by her shot stopping ability and her height in particular but I thought she used her body really well to make the saves that she did I even think on the spill she does very very well to keep hold of it it's a very quick reaction um I am I am still intrigued like I also think what is interesting is I feel like there's been a lot of discussion around 
Keating maybe being better with her feet, but I felt like this wasn't a great... I know actually the goal sort of does come from her having time to pick a pass, but I think Arsenal were very happy to let Keating have time on the ball because she wasn't that great at picking out longer passes. And I think that's interesting to like look at how she develops. But ultimately, yeah, like she's... She's 19 years old and I think she's like an incredible prospect. I think my concern for her has been at City is like, that's an awful lot of pressure to put on a 19 year old who I don't think is the finished article, even though you can clearly see like that there are bits of talent there. Um, But yeah, that was like, it was obviously a great moment. And she's got so much personality. I think that's what's really fun. And that's what I think has been interesting about like some of the conversations around her afterwards. Because in the post-match, Gareth Taylor said like she'd been sort of like gearing herself up to go back to Meadow Park all week and I think was kind of expecting that kind of atmosphere because she knew that she made the mistake that led to them losing the game last time so I also think that some of the reaction around it is a bit like naive to the reality of like that this is a confident and you know up for it teenager who understands like what football's like and what's expected to you and I think you know that's what kind of feels like frustrating about some of the discussion that's taken place afterwards it feels like it takes that element of Keating's Mm -hmm. personality away from her I also think it's interesting to kind of think about if if they had given that goal how much of that conversation would have been about her in a different way I think people are really quick to forget like how well she played in that game if she'd have made another mistake that had led to you know Arsenal equalizing and potentially City losing yeah definitely and I think I mean first things first when you look at the camera angles, which aren't brilliant to have a definitive view on this. But I think when you look at the replays, you look at the stills, it definitely hasn't gone over the line. Um, but And I actually do think the majority of Arsenal fans I saw on social media weren't trying to claim otherwise. Obviously, there's still going to be a few that are going to say, but I think actually, t- to be honest, they accepted that. And her performance was really good. And I completely agree with you, Jesse. I think she's always shown her shot stopping ability for me and I think it's that decision making and that ability and confidence with the ball at her feet and I don't necessarily always mean that in distribution I'm surprised Arsenal didn't put her under more pressure given what happened in the game at Meadow Park but uh, in earlier in the season but also what we've sometimes seen from her which is She's a very confident goalkeeper, which is what's got her so far at just 19. That That's what has earned her that number one shirt. That is so impressive because you have to have that as a goalkeeper and that will only drive her ability more. But I do think there's sometimes a nervousness when she's pressed um, and she sometimes looks uncomfortable. And that for me is still the, the weakness of overall uh, really, really, really impressive goalkeeper. And that probably will come as she develops with age. But I think her shop stopping has always been so impressive and her quick feet when it comes to positioning and movement and getting across the goal line when she is quite small is is really, 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 really strong. Let's get on to that discourse then because we hinted at it, but it all sort of kicks off because Fiona Thomas, great journal at The Telegraph, a uh, big fan of her work, mainly covers women's rugby. So I think she's coming in cold a little bit when it comes to women's football. But at the same time, it's sort of really a cultural football to rugby difference here when a lot of people probably aren't used to hearing 
what we as football fans experience as the standard goalkeeper psych-out banter, which Keating herself was loving and like chuckling and laughing. And it got written up by Fiona Thomas in The Telegraph as this sort of targeted, uh, you know, these chants are creeping into women's football and we don't want it sort of discourse. I think maybe Fiona herself has maybe realised, oh, like women's football has evolved since I've been out the game and now come back in. But I think it's still an interesting conversation because I think it highlights, Becky, the wider sort of internal battle we're having in the game about like where the brand stands now for women's football. We're still shaking off the shackles of the family friendly reputation that it's had to deal with for so long. There's a few things about this that I think are interesting. I think, firstly, I think it's quite positive that all of the reaction to that piece was kind of like, no, this is like, that's not actually true. Describing a chant that is just a common chant saying your shit uh, at a goalkeeper as vulgar is just, and, and describing it as abuse is... It, it's just I just think it's ridiculous and it also is just very unhelpful because football does have a problem with you know homophobic sexist racist abuse and conflating the two is just it, it's it's not helpful for the longer term health of the game and also yeah just look at how Keating is responding to it I think that's my view of it was she seems like she's enjoying the, you know, the rivalry, the passion. And and the, the article kind of spoke about like her maturity to rise above it. And I actually don't see it like that. I see it as like a maturity to know that it's not about you personally and it motivating her and helping her to get that like amazing performance rather than, um, you know, something to overcome. I think also the other thing that is like, I guess is important to say is it wasn't just the your shit ah, they were also singing, you're just a shit Ellie Roebuck. Unfortunately, that is also still very funny. Um, (laughs) So I don't really see the issue, but I think that is worth saying because I think that's where that feeling came from. Like that, that was like, that was the chant at the very start when Keating went and they uh, she was standing in front of the North Bank and then the Yorkshire Air stuff like came after that. Um, but yeah, I agree, Becky, with what you're saying. I just think um, it's just not like a vulgar atmosphere at all. It's just atmosphere. And I don't know, any, anyone who goes to football matches regularly knows that stuff's like totally, I don't know, like tongue in cheek's the wrong word, I guess, but like, it's not like, I don't know, threatening. And I really don't think any player feels that way or sees it that way. And I guess it goes back to what I was saying is it, yeah, it's this weird thing where it it almost takes away players ability to like engage in that kind of stuff. And like the reality is, is like Arsenal city matches have been really spicy recently. And this one was as well, like Lauren Hemp and Katie McCabe were like pushing each other and going at each other. Um, Obviously in the, the previous match, like Chloe Kelly was there, celebrating in front of the North Bank when City scored again yesterday. Kirsten Kasparai was like cupping her ear in front of the North Bank. Like these players will take it and they'll like give it back. And I think you can't really pull out like some of the fan behavior and then be like, 
oh, like, I don't know, this is like a bad ambience when players are enjoying it and like living up to it. Like they're not obviously not intimidated by it. And ultimately as well, at the end of the day, Kiara Keating's got the last laugh. And isn't when noggins boiled, it's always satisfying <laughs> yes, to have the so last true. laugh. Something Becky Taylor Gill is not necessarily familiar with, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have had the last laugh in the Women's FA Cup. That's true. That is so. true. <laughs> but, but Kelly again yesterday, you know, we had that hemp McCabe battle, but Kelly was so up for it with McCabe. There are a lot of sort of, you know, uh, late, shall we say, shoulders uh, can, like smashing into each other as, as they were passing each other. And... Kelly was being a bit of a shithouse, taking ages to take a throw on, slowing down the game and doing all the stuff that she really enjoys, like trying to sort of wind up a little bit. And, you know, that's what drives her, that 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 makes her perform better. And I think you saw that with the atmosphere as well that Arsenal fans create is that Meadow Park, and we've said it a lot on this show, like the atmosphere there is really, really good. It's 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 the best in, in the WSL and some of that carries over to the Emirates. Sometimes it's harder to create that in a bigger environment, but it's something that Arsenal fans have worked really hard to cultivate. And I think the the pocket of away fans that were there yesterday added to that and it made it a really, really, really good game because of that energy. And I would rather that than just like crickets or what we see at other women's grounds, which is just much more a kind of like lifeless environment. So I just think one of those where you're kind of out of tune, I guess, and out of, um, yeah, out the loop, really. Jesse, let's move on to Arsenal because, yeah, like I said at the top, this does really change the dynamic of their season again. They obviously got a bit unlucky with this draw because most WSL sides were not thrown uh, a top four rival as their fifth round game. But there's nothing you can do. You've got to beat what's in front of you. Their record against Manchester City is pretty decent in recent years. But still, only having now the Conti Cup and a, a final against City or Chelsea lined up in that competition, it's pretty crap for Arsenal fans. Yeah, I do think it's interesting the sort of writing them out the league. I think I'm want to wait and see how this weekend goes before I do it. Because if City beat Chelsea and Arsenal beat United, City and Chelsea are on the same number of points and Arsenal are three points behind. And I don't really think at that point you'd be saying that Arsenal are totally out of the title race. I think it's obviously hard and they're probably the the third favourites right now, especially with the way they're playing. Um, but I do think stranger things have happened in the league. Um, but I agree, like it is obviously hard and it's an, it's frustrating if you're an Arsenal fan because you had the exact same thing last year. We had to play Chelsea in the fifth round and you lost. Um, but I think the concern for me around Arsenal would be less like that it's annoying that they got City and that they lost, which is true, but was the way that sort of they went about approaching this game. I thought it was weird how passive they were for large portions of the game. It felt like they really sat off City and gave them quite a lot of respect. Um, I wasn't sure about the decision to play that sort of Cooney Cross, Pullover, Marna midfield. Obviously, Vivmiedema had some knee rotation, so she wasn't available. Um, but I think that didn't really work. And I also thought Jonas's subs were just a bit, it felt like they didn't really 
have the impact that he wanted them to have. And I felt like some of the players who managed to stay on the pitch for as long as they did, I was surprised by. Well, Jesse, one of the ones that really surprised me was as soon as they went a goal down, it was like Leah Walty coming on. I thought, I don't know if this is the sub that's going to get you out of jail now and rescue the game. Yeah, I agree. Although I also think Volti gave them a lot more sort of impetus and structure in possession, which again, I think that's why I was a bit like, if she was fit to play a full 90, I don't really understand why she didn't start. I was also mm. surprised we didn't see Kim Little for so long. And the person I was really surprised we didn't see was Chloe Lacasse, because I just feel like every mm. time Lacasse has come on in games, she's it felt like she's been able to like make something out of nothing. Um, You know, obviously the goal against United, the equaliser against United, that's going to sort of be her highlight reel of the season. But even against West Ham, right, she could have won, she could have arguably had that penalty from the foul by Katrina Gorey. So again, we could be talking about a player who'd got Arsenal back in the game. And it just surprised me given how sort of ineffective I thought Mead and Ford had been for large portions of the game that we didn't see the like sort of natural winger swap. Um, But I think also, yeah, like what was... Weird is going into this game, I thought Arsenal had a chance because I thought that, you know, regardless of how they were playing, they got this real, you know, backs against the wall mentality, like going gung ho for it. And it felt like everything from sort of the team selection, not really feeling like Arsenal's strongest team to then how they like set out to play felt like it was almost like they never really believed they were going to win the game, which is bizarre given their record against City at Meadow Park. But there was just never this sense, I think, until literally until the six minutes of added time that they were like, we've got, oh, we've got to go and score. And then they created loads of good chances and yeah. Keating had to make three good saves. Yeah, it felt like it, it. that was the moment where they were like, oh shit, we need to actually try and rescue this game. And then it was chance after chance after chance and the energy and the intensity just raised up them because they were so desperate. And we've seen them have success with that sort of mentality because they've had to get themselves out of difficult situations. But the approach to the game was slightly different and difficult. And maybe it's a thing. Obviously, Miedemar was out, um, slight kind of knee irritation and couldn't, and couldn't play. And she's been really good in recent weeks. But yeah, to make so many changes with a team that um, has, has struggled but also been strong at points this season was a bit surprising. Let's wrap this up. And let's talk about some other FA Cup games next. All right, I want to take you guys back to your Saturday at Brisbane Road. Some boiled noggins in the away end, shall we say, for Spurs Charlton guys? I don't think that was boiled noggins. I thought you were having um, a row with a lino, Becky. <laughs> oh, I mean, the line, like, I was given given the lino some jip, but you know, I don't think my noggin was boiled. That's just good old <laughs> family fun day out, isn't it? <laughs> Keeping the lino honest. That's all we're exactly, doing. Exactly. Exactly. The game itself was quite spicy though. They had, it had, it had a, um, intense end, shall we say? Is that right? I, again, I, I don't really think that that's true either. I know that there was a girls on the ball tweet <laughs> that said it, there was like, it, it got a bit heated at the end and me and Jesse were like, did it? Um, I mean, I, right at the end, Kate was just before the whistle blew, giving the liner some jip herself. But I like—is <laughs> that why you were? Is that you had you felt like you had to back your girl up? 
No, you know what? I had been doing it for like a lot of the second half. Kate um, felt like she had to back Becky up. Exactly. <laughs> Kate was like, hold on a second, there's a boiled noggin in that crowd. Um, no, my <laughs> noggin was not boiled. Sorry, I take that back. I just, it It was a, I don't think it was that heated. I think it was a, a frustrating at the end, I think, for the Charlton players because I think they knew that they'd played well and they knew that they'd had a lot of chances that they couldn't put away. And I think maybe that's, I don't know, where girls on the ball got their heated idea from but I don't think it was a, noil, a, a noiled boggin I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was a, a noggin boiling game uh, apart from the fact that you know and my noggin was a little bit boiled that Charlton lost yeah but it should be said that Evelina Sumnan had to go off injured mainly seemingly because <laughs> Kate sat on her for quite a while <laughs> So, so how did that like, happen? Just he, like why is tangled, she not getting up? Why tangled, she tangled, but Kate, Kate sat on her. If if Kate wasn't my friend and I hadn't been supporting <laughs> Charlton, that would have boiled my noggin. Well, we'll um, <laughs> next time she's on the pod, we'll have to check up on it and say what were you thinking? What what was what was the mindset there? It was, was really it, funny. Um, there was quite a long conversation with the ref afterwards, but she didn't get a card. But I was a bit like, what excuse is she possibly giving right now that the ref is like <laughs> nodding along and being like, yeah, all right, fair play. What a charmer. <laughs> Charlton only losing 1-0 in the end and a, a really good performance. And Spurs only had one shot on target. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it was a pretty rubbish shot, to be fair. The yeah. keeper really, I think, should have done better. Um, Charlton played really well. They were really organised, out of possession. Um, Spurs really struggled, I think, to play around them. I mean, Bethany England did miss, like, a couple of really, really good chances. I think she hit the bar twice. Um, so even though it was only one shot on target, I always think, well, it's funny when they don't count them if they hit the um, frame of the goal. But, yeah, I think Charlton, from their perspective they will be frustrated that they didn't make more of their set pieces because they had a couple of good set pieces, but they didn't really push Becky Spencer into making a save at all. Um, and I think as the game went on, obviously sort of the depth and quality that Spurs had that they could bring on um, and use uh, compared to what Charlton had available to them, obviously was just that there, there was a gap there. And I think that sort of allowed um, yeah, Spurs to, to have those those chances. Um, Becky and I were mainly distracted by the fact that Charlie Grant's dyed her hair to look identical to Celine Bizet, uh, to the extent that Becky didn't even realise Celine Bizet had gone off the pitch. I thought, I thought wow. that was her. Confusing. Really confusing. And a really important question with the beatboxes there. So, Jesse Parkhamphy's tricked me because I have what? a memory like, like a goldfish to go and get a pint at half time and then I, and about Halfway through half time, I was like, "Hold on a fucking minute, I'm missing the halftime entertainment." And I went out, and it was all done. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, I cannot confirm whether there was beatboxes or not. I wasn't tricking you. I just said I want to go for a pint at half time, and you didn't. Re- you said you said to me, "I didn't remind you about the beatboxes because I wanted you to come with me to get a pint." <laughs> but that we think they weren't there. It's tricking. We think they weren't there anyway. Oh, because you because. Becky, you hadn't been to Brisbane Road before. This was your was this your first trip? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a Brisbane Road virgin. Oh, that's so that's actually really forgot. out of order, Jesse. That's it really is. that's really You've out of order. You've stolen an experience from me. <laughs> I don't think they were even there. You've ruined well, the we'll, girls' we, first we'll and probably only Brisbane Road beatboxer <laughs> potential experience. All right, you're, you're crushing childhood dreams, Jesse. You need to take <laughs> me back to you? Brisbane Road and beatbox for me yourself. 
I will happily do that for you, Becky. Uh, Spurs, Chelsea, I'll do it. Okay, thanks. I bought a Charlton scarf, which I'm really excited about. And I did it's have very nice. Two... I saw it in the picture. Yeah, it is. yeah, I bought it off a man in the street. Um, he was selling them. I didn't just... <laughs> yeah, not a random a man. man. <laughs> um, what, before, I... before the game? Yeah. Oh, wow, that's massive. Was... That's actually, yeah, like, was... we've made it. Was... Women's football is massive. Yeah, he was a Charlton fan. And he was like, oh, the men. And I was like, I, I don't know anything about Charlton men, pal. I'm just here for <laughs> Kate Longhurst. <laughs> you should have been like, yeah, men, am I right? But his conversation about the men losing was good because then when I got off the bus in Peckham at the end of the day, I was still wearing my Charlton scarf and a guy was like, oh, tough, tough, tough loss today. And I was like, or oh, he's a tough result today. And I was like, yeah, I know. 2-1 loss, man. It's not good, is it? I had no idea what I was talking about, but I made a friend. <laughs> Well, actually, Nathan Jones is Charlton's manager, so that might get you back into the narrative. Ex-Luton, Southampton, big character. I've interviewed him once in lockdown. Wow. What a claim to claim. It all comes back to Nathan Jones. Becky, on Sunday, you went on a pilgrimage to Dartford, of all places, to watch Liverpool play. It's actually really easy to get to Dartford from mine. It's just one direct train. So maybe I should become a part-time London (laughs) City Lionesses fan. Good game. I mean, great game. Two Liverpool wins this weekend. You know that's not happened this season. Liverpool men and Liverpool women have not won in the same weekend all season. That's so, wild. And is this yes. is this the first time we've got you on the pod after Liverpool women have won as yes, well? Yes, it is, yeah. So <laughs> I'm very happy. Uh, shall I do a, a whole rendition of you never walk alone and then we can just end the pod there <laughs> no we'll save that for another time but you can give us a you can give us a little, nice little breakdown of your day in Dartford and Liverpool's performance okay. if you want I, w- I will I will um so you know what as well I will say and I think this is difficult because obviously London City Lionesses aren't affiliated with a men's team and so don't have that really easy crossover of fans but there was like a hell of a lot of Liverpool fans there, which and it's a really long journey, so that was really cool. Yeah, but were they were they do you, were they London Liverpool fans? No offense to London Liverpool fans, but <laughs> of which um, Becky is one. It's pff, rude. You live in um, you live in London. <laughs> I yeah. I would give Becky a bit more of a free pass because she is from that part of the world, whereas she's yeah, not did, a Liverpool fan that grew up in London. I know, it's very but how different. Can you, how can you judge? It's going to be impossible to know how many Liverpool fans came from London as opposed to came from Liverpool because of well, people like Becky. I actually think there was quite a big amount <laughs> that saying, came from I Liverpool. I actually did a poll. <laughs> I, went around, I went around and asked everybody. <laughs> yeah, I checked um, everyone's. I checked everyone's uh, travel cards to see utility what bills. Come. Yeah. Um, you no, know, you know what? Um, Expedia did put on some free buses for Liverpool fans to come down, which is obviously very cool. Um, so I do think there was quite a big amount of people that had come from Liverpool. Um, and yeah, they were all over them. Like that first five minutes, I was like, oh, we're going to go into half time 3 0 up here. Um, and obviously, that wasn't the case. We went in 1 0 up. And I think getting that really early goal was good because I think the longer that um, London City Lioness has defended for their lives, the more frustrating the Liverpool players would have gotten, the more difficult I think it would have become to actually like mentally get over that battle and be like, oh, we are going to score here. So having that early goal like in the first five minutes was great. It was pretty much one-way traffic. Um, London City did come into it like in the first part of the second half and I was a bit nervous, but um, in the end, that Mel Lawley um, goal was 
very, very good. And after that, London City didn't really look like scoring at all. Um, I've forgotten on all the pods that we've done recently to announce my intention of becoming a football brain. I'm coming for Jesse Park Humphrey's <laughs> job and I'm going to understand tactics, whether it kills me. Um, because as we all know... Was this weekend I'm, like a... Was this weekend a trial run? Yeah. So obviously I was up there on my own. Um, so the first half, as I was, I was going to say, I'm the class clown, but now I'm, it's like exam season. I'm getting my head down. Um, <laughs> I was sat like behind the managers. I thought it was really interesting. You could like hear everything they were saying. And I was like, I'm going to pick one player to watch and like try and understand what's going on. And in the first half, um, Lucy Parry was on, the right wing right in front of me and so I picked her and tried to understand what was going on and I actually think it was quite interesting because I think with Beardy on that side there was like a lot of communication between the two of them um yeah I I love I love sitting behind the the bench and the managers because you just pick up such good stuff yeah um and I think a lot of I mean, I really think that Liverpool's play was like some really gorgeous football, some lovely passes. They really just like played around London City like very easily. And a lot of that came through the right-hand side, which I mean, ironically then the goal was scored from across from the left-hand side um, and a header, the first goal. Um, but yeah, I also, the obviously London City are in have an interim coach um what's his name Darren Smith who was very very vocal um and I think I I don't know I, I was trying to kind of like pick up the vibes between him and the players because there was at one point where they were obviously just like camped out in their own half and he every time that any of the Liverpool backline players had the ball he was like push up push up and there was one point where um one of the players kind of was like, one of the attacking players in London City was like, I, I, I can't, man. Like, as soon as I go, they're, gonna, they're just going to come. And so he was like, yeah, I know that, I know that. And they were kind of like having a debate about it, like while the play was going on. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting game for learning and also a very fun game because we won. You had a little workshop. Um, I did. Very, very fun. A workshop down in Dartford. And also guys... I made a friend. Oh, a Liverpool women friend? Yeah. In the second half, I went round to like stand on the other side. And um, just after we scored, a girl came up to me called Ellie and was like, oh, I really love counter press. And I was like, oh my gosh, thanks. And then we just chatted the whole rest of the time. And she is a London-based Liverpool fan. Um, and wow, boo. I was like, <laughs> no, we don't boo my new friend, Ellie. Um, and so now I've got a Liverpool pal to go to the games with because apart from you saying there's lots of London Liverpool fans, I know fuck all. So it's good to have a pal. It's true, actually. You, they, they, they need to, you need to find some kind of London Liverpool women crew because there's got yeah. to be, there's loads. Oh my God. Every single time I go to a pub to watch a Liverpool men's game, you can't move for bloody Southern Liverpool fans. So... I'm going to start like, handing out like my card good thing, and be like, no. do you like Liverpool men? Come to Liverpool <laughs> women with me. <laughs> well, the thing is, one good thing that can potentially come from annoying London Liverpool-based men's fans is getting more London-based Liverpool fans to women's games. That's I will, yeah. I will support that cause. <laughs> Jesse, 
Kings Meadow, it wasn't a classic by any means <laughs> between Chelsea and Crystal Palace, but Chelsea did get through. It was a pretty stodgy game. I thought Palace might hold out and take them to extra time. Sadly, they didn't. But a very nice goal from Myra Ramirez. Oh, such a nice finish. Um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't watching this because I was covering Arsenal City, obviously, so I wasn't at King's Meadow. And then, long story, but my phone was going to die, so I couldn't even stream it from the pub. Uh, <laughs> but I was quite glad I wasn't doing that because it sounded bad. You would have um, been bad vibes at the pub if you were watching I would have been. And instead, I was just sort of nervously checking my phone. Can I say, then- um, I've never seen, like, Americans more baffled than like me at the side of the Mardi Gras parade streaming on FA player Chelsea Women versus Crystal Palace and people's faces being like what are they watching (laughs) a really bad game as well like such bad football it was uh, it was a moment yeah yeah um it it was when I got a text in the 53rd minute of the game being like we finally had a shot on target and I was like oh (laughs) Oh, god God. um yeah it was interesting Hay said afterwards like that maybe the team wasn't like physically tired but mentally tired and I do think that's interesting like Chelsea played a totally full strength um, starting 11 which was was surprising because obviously got City on Friday but I guess also maybe an opportunity to work on building those relationships more with Ramirez um, coming in and uh, the opportunity to make sure that players had sort of minutes in their legs going into that game Uh, but yeah I think you know we know I think across the games it's been interesting because I think all the championship sides really felt like they gave um, the teams they were playing runs for their money. Obviously, um, you know, Birmingham, Leicester was 2-2 at one point. Uh, Southampton scored against United. Um, obviously, Brighton almost ended up going to extra time against Wolves, who were in the third division. So uh, I think it's definitely interesting to see maybe what that gap looks like I don't know whether I'd like buy that it's necessarily closing because I think it's a lot easier to get up for individual cup games that's why we like enjoy the FA Cup you know you see it on the men's side as well uh but yeah I think Palace were obviously very very well organized Chelsea struggled to break them down and um at the end of the day though that's kind of it felt like the quality of Ramirez's goal just sort of summed up like that's also the difference when you've got a player who can not only like the ability to do that, but like the boldness to do that at that point in the game. Mm. Um, Yeah. Great, great finish and a great first goal to have for a club. Yeah. Jesse, you spoke about a lot of those championship teams giving WSL teams a good game, but interesting looking at a, a stat that Tom Gary tweeted yesterday saying since the WSL launched in 2011, no top flight women's team has been knocked out of the women's FA cup by any club, playing below tier two uh could that change uh and that's because he was ahead he was he was going to uh wolves brighton wolves doing really well against brighton but unfortunately uh it kind of crumbled in the last sort of 10 minutes but i do think it's interesting because we've spoken so much about how strong the pyramid is getting as a whole and a lot of that has come through Teams like Wolves, Burnley, Newcastle, like in the, in the third and fourth tier, really it, investing and being able to challenge WSL. But I do think when you look at the Women's FA Cup, there is still that lack of like true feeling of cup set energy. And I think championship, some championship teams are getting that much closer, but for the third tier, it's obviously that much harder. But I would 
like to see more cup sets all in all. I know it's favourable for a lot of WSL fans, obviously, that their teams do well. They get late in the competition. Aston Villa getting to their first semi-final last year. But like we are missing a bit of cup set magic in the Women's FA Cup, for sure. Yeah, although I think, as you say, the the gap is, you know, when you look at the gap between, like, League One and the Premier League, or teams at the bottom of the Premier League and teams at the top of League One, and maybe sort of the quality those sides can draw on compared to um, sort of semi-pro players in the third division of women's football versus top-tier players, I think that's obviously something that will, will take a while to change. Um, but I think a lot of these results obviously show that championship teams, at the very least, are able to come up against WSL teams. And we've sort of seen that in some of the Conti Cup fixtures as well uh, at different points in, in the group stage. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think also that this was just one of those ones where it just wasn't a great draw. And sometimes that's just the way it goes. Like sometimes like teams further down the pyramid need sort of the opportunity to play a team more at their level to get further along and then maybe generate even more excitement and potential in, in a later stage match. A bit like, you know, the way... Nottingham Forest beat another third division team to get to to the game that they got against Everton. Um, so yeah, I think sometimes it's just the way things go. But I'm sure the the cup sets will will come in time. I also think there's just there's just less teams. <laughs> we just there's just less. You know when right you get, yeah. Well, the the period yeah, the I pyramid is true. The pyramid yeah. is that much smaller, so it's harder to it's harder to come by when you're relying on like a certain few teams in small leagues to pull those off. And I do think they're like, when we think about even the previous round and how close like Sheffield United came in their game against Tottenham and what sort of might've been in a lot of those fixtures, even though we're maybe lacking some cup sets. Yeah. It still maybe doesn't always account for the overall growth across the pyramid draw is Monday night. Not sure if Jilly Fatty's doing it. She's normally in and around a live draw on telly. I think, I think Farrah Williams has um, hipped her to this one, unfortunately. Oh, damn. Every time someone does it that's not us, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, like, I know, I know, I know. Could be like, I think that's, I've peaked. Like, I don't know if it'll get any better than that. As fans of teams that are still in the competition... Becky, who would you like to get in the quarterfinals? Oh, just, I just think anyone that isn't City or Chelsea, please, Farrah. I mean, fair. Because I, I think we could do a job against any of the rest of them. I, not to get ahead of myself of like, that's, you know, a very long time in the future, but I actually was on the way home from the game from Dartford, like listening to, um, the last there she goes and just like dreaming of a day of Liverpool women at Wembley I just <laughs> like guys wow what a day that would be like Jessie how, how so unfair that you get to do that all the time I know in the pub someone asked me like oh it must be pretty great being a Chelsea women's fan and I was like yeah it kind of yeah. is I can't lie <laughs> <laughs> Jessie um yeah well I mean I'd say anyone other than City really United, you happy with United? Yeah, I'd take United. <laughs> Even I'd take United. No one clip that up. <laughs> I'm clipping it, I'm clipping it, I'm saving it. All right, guys, uh, better go. But it's been a joy, as always, chatting to you. We're back on Wednesday with the Valentine's Day special. It's going to be big. 
it's going to be emotional so hope you enjoy it we will see you all then